Father, we just thank you once again this morning. Lord, we worship you. We praise you. We give you glory. We thank you, Father, for the way that you've been with us all these days. Once again, Lord, even as we come to the ministry of your word, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we will know you, and Lord, that we will walk with you, and that, Lord, we will understand your ways, teach us your ways, show us your paths, and lead us into the way of everlasting life. To that end, I pray that you bless even the ministry of the word this morning. Oh Lord, uh, grant us the grace, O oh Lord, so that the internet also can be restored in time, Lord Jesus. We thank you, we praise you, for in Jesus' name, Amen. Alright, so this morning, uh, we'll good look at uh, the first text for today. If you can um, turn to Ephesians chapter 5, let's read from verse 15 to 18. 15 to 18. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And verse 17, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of God is, and do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be, what? Filled with the Spirit. Okay, and the days are evil, so be filled with the Spirit. The days are evil, so do not walk as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time. And now how do you walk as wise? That you will be able to be filled with the Spirit. Um, I'm sure you have the Amplified Bible, okay? If you can turn with me to ampli- the uh, Amplified Bible in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and read from verse 1 and 2 maybe is 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1. Are you there? Fantastic. Remember also your creator. It says, remember earnestly also your creator that you're not your own. Who's that? Who's your creator? The fact that he's the one who owns you. That you're not your own, but his property now. In the days of your youth. When? Before the evil days come or the years draw near. When you will say, Of physical pleasures, I have no enjoyment in them. Uh, Remember also your creator that you are not your own, but his property now. In the days of your youth, before the evil days come or the years draw near. When you will say of the pleasures that I have no enjoyment in them. So, that's exactly what he's talking about. Sorry. Yeah. That uh, the evil days are coming. Therefore, remember who owns you. Who owns you? The creator God. That you are his property. And before the evil days come or the years draw near. That means you have, you are also, I mean, either you you die or the evil days come. For it is appointed to man, for man to die once and then the judgment and then of course, or the evil days come. And we know that the days are already here. The days of evil. Hmm. If you have any questions, (laughs) look around. You are logged in uh, with no respite in sight. Okay, it's only that uh, we've come under the pressure of economy and uh, things have kind of uh, slowly going back to normal, but it's not going to be the same again. The evil days are here. So remember who owns you. And there is a famine which is going to come. And this, by the way, this is one thing that has affected the whole world. You've seen that. It has affected the whole world. 
it's it's affected the whole world the way we know it the world has changed and god is looking for i mean he's wanting to prepare a particular set of people who will be his end time army in that who will with wisdom guide his people through this time of crisis uh if you remember there was if you look at the entire um, um record of the bible there are few e- events which has affected the whole world in fact only two if to the best of my knowledge i can i can remember if i scan through the bible the f- the first one which affected the whole world was what in terms of judgment was noah's flood yeah okay good good the, the next one the second the second event which in fact engulfed the whole known world at least during that time was the famine during whose time joseph time joseph's time the first time god wanted to uh, do something to the whole world and he wanted to uh, uh, prepare um, a set of people he found noah and of course his children noah who was perfect in his generations noah who walked with god noah found grace in the sight of god that's how he starts and then of course we had a famine uh, which engulfed the whole world and god found one man who is that man joseph we've been looking at the series as to uh, at least in the past few days about the third person of the trinity why we should not grieve him why we should not uh uh yeah are we okay yeah why we should not grieve him why we should not lie to him why we should not you know we should deal wisely with him so we've been looking at the third person the work of the third person of the trinity that he brings conviction and so many things we have learned and he will be the one person who will be the game changer if you will in the last days okay in the last days the last days started of course when jesus um was lifted up into the heavens right uh in these last days he says in hebrews chapter 1 in these last days he has spoken to us through his son he is a game changer he was a game changer and we looked at the entire book of acts it's acts of the apostles is what is generally called but it's generally i mean it's more uh, precisely the acts of the holy spirit through the apostles right if you look at the life of joseph when joseph is brought out of the dungeon and he's presented before pharaoh and pharaoh uh gives him the dreams and joseph gives the interpretation and uh joseph tells pharaoh about something very interesting he says if you turn with me to genesis chapter 41 verses 30 and 30 to 32 genesis chapter 41 verses 30 to 32 but after them seven years of famine will arise and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of egypt and the famine will deplete the land that's that's what is being prophesied and it's going to come okay and uh whole world will be affected by this okay the next 
So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. So this is what he says. A severe famine had come on the entire land and the man whom God would use as, an, as his instrument of deliverance is Joseph. And look at what Pharaoh has to say about Joseph. Okay, this is something which I wanted you to bring to your attention. Very clear. The very first time the word, that phrase spirit of God is used. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 41 now. And let's read from verses 37 onwards. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh. So he gives the advice as to what to do. And in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants. Can we find such a one as this? A man in whom is the Spirit of God. That's the, that's a remarkable game changer. That's what I'm saying. The game changer. Think about it. All the sorcerers, all the wisdom of the Egyptians, every degree of Zoan, all the wise men of Zoan, okay, could not give a solution as to what has to be done with this worldwide famine that was going to affect the entire land. And there was, there was one man in whom the Spirit of God dwelt, and he was going to be the instrument of God's deliverance. Now, it's precisely what is happening right now. I mean, if you look at it parallelly, we see the thing is that uh, one thing we don't learn from history is that we don't learn from history. Okay. And the Bible is full of examples. So there is a worldwide event that is going on. And if you look at it, nobody has a solution. If you think about it, the wise people of Zoan, with all their degrees and their intelligence and their, and their, uh, whatever they, they, they have, they're absolutely bankrupt in as far as this particular event is concerned. They are, they are completely at sea. They have no idea as to what has to be done. So who is supposed to be God's instrument? A man in whom the Spirit of God is. Now, of course, we are not, we are, Joseph is a type of who? Jesus, of course. <clears throat> we are not talking about um, one man, of course. Of course, we are also talking about one man. Who is that one man we are talking about here? If you turn with me to Ezra chapter 3 verse 1, you will understand who that one man is. <clears throat> And when the seventh month had come, and the children of Israel were in, the, were in the cities, the people gathered together as one man to Jerusalem. To do what? To build the temple. Okay. So what God could not do with the children of Israel after he brought them out of Egypt, he could do by bringing them out of Babylon in the second Exodus. He could make them into what? One man. We are supposed to be the body of Christ, okay? Christ was filled without measure. If you turn to John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 34. It says, John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 34. For he whom God had sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. To whom? He's talking about Jesus. Now, we are the body of Christ. He's talking about Jesus Christ. And we are the body of Christ. And God has to fill his body with his Spirit without measure. It's not just going to be one individual, 
but several individuals coming together as what? One man. And that's exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost, which is going to be May 31st, the last Sunday of our 12th year. So let's look forward to it with expectancy. All right. I'm telling you, honestly, all young people who are listening to me, you want God to use you in his end time army. My, my God, is this not the time to seek him? Uh, young and old, of course. Young in the Lord. Okay. May 31st will be our 12th year as a church and it is the day of Pentecost. I mean, I think it's, it's remarkable. It's not coincidence at all. And I'm not uh, a person who gets too excited about dates and days. Okay. But this is absolutely significant that the 31st of May 2020 as a church for us, that we are finishing 12 years uh, as a church, the the number of government, as you say, as we call it, and we have to, it's incredible that we are ending it on the day of Pentecost. So, exciting times, my dear brothers. Exciting times. So, brace yourself. Okay, fasten your seatbelts and uh, if you have, See, it's not, it, it's not like, um, uh, it's, it's, God is sovereign. He can move in anybody's life. We just have to be prepared. That's all. And God knows whose his remnant are and he will touch them and he will forge them into one. Look at what it says in Acts chapter two, verse one. Hmm. It's remarkable. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place as one man. As one man. And what happened? The Spirit of God came upon them as a mighty rushing wind. And suddenly, verse 2, it says, suddenly, suddenly, suddenly. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. And it was, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know what? The church began. They all became as one man. And you know what? They looked at this people. Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom, who's what now? The Spirit of God. Of course, the Spirit of God is not dwelling in one individual now. It's dwelling in a corporate of individuals who have actually become what? One. By the way, that is the whole purpose of teaching. So that we will become forged together as one man. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 to 13, if you will. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 to 14. Okay, 11 to 14. We'll read from verse 11 to 14. And he gave himself. Who is this he? Jesus. Thank you so much. It's not the spirit. It's Jesus. Okay. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the what? To the unity of faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we as one perfect man, in other words, can be filled by the Spirit without measure. Verse 14, so that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Stop there. This is the purpose of the teaching. The purpose of the teaching is to bring together as body, as a body of believers into one perfect man upon whom the Spirit of God can be poured upon and they will become one. You understand what I'm saying? And then they can 
walk with the Lord. That is the whole purpose of teaching. So that God can entrust his spirit into such a body. A body of individuals, a worldwide corporate body. I mean, different, different parts of the body and each, it's not just one individual. Just, just keep that in mind. Alright? So, we need to become a, such a church. Can we find such a man? Or, in this case, such a body of believers in whom the Spirit of God is. So, who are who are these body of believers? If you turn back to Genesis chapter 41, verse, uh, 30, 40, uh, verse 38 onwards, you will see uh, some of the interesting uh, adjectives um, that Pharaoh gives Joseph. Of course, Joseph is a type of Christ and therefore the type of the body of Christ in these last days. Alright? Understand that. Then Pharaoh said to, okay, so this is verse 38, and Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and as wise as you. That means what? This is a, this is a church which has become one man, and second, this church is a church which has a spirit of discernment. Understand that. John 1, 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. We know this very well. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many pseudo-prophets have gone out into the world. So what is what, what do we have? We are characterized by a spirit of discernment. We know exactly what which is coming from what is coming from the Spirit of God and what is coming from the Spirit of this world. Because we have become. Such a man, a one man. And then second thing, it's talking about, he's talking about, if you turn turn back to Genesis chapter 41 verse 39, he says, they have what? Discernment. And then second, he says, they are wise. Wise, wise people. (laughs) That is the reason why we keep on crying God. God grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wise people. And verse 40, Look at what, what verse 40, it says, verse 40, 41, 40, and you shall be over all my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Isn't it amazing? That who are these people? They are wise people. They are discerning people. And what do they have? They have the word. Why am I saying this? If you turn with me to same chapter, Genesis chapter 41, and uh, look at verse 45. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name, what? Zafnath Paneah. You know what? Zafnath Paneah means? God speaks, he lives. That's what it means. Actually, uh, the Jewish Bible translates this as a discerner of dreams, but the literal translation is, God speaks and he lives. In other words, he is a living God and he speaks. And he is a living God and this fellow, he hears God speak and he lives according to what he hears. Understand that. Therefore, this man is a man who has the word of God. He's just not got the word of God, he's got the living word of God. A love word of God for the season, like the sons of Issachar. 
who understood the times and they spoke a word in season according to the times. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. We need people who just don't have the logos, who have the rima, who have the living word. Whom shall we go? They said. Where shall we go, Gal? To whom shall we go, Peter said. You and you alone have the words of life. The words that bring life. You, and he says, my words are what? Spirit and life. Zoe, you, you alone have the word that brings life. God speaks and he lives. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, man lives by. Are we doing okay? No problems so far? So good? You're man- managing. We have uh, what we call as a technical team, which is technical team par excellence, okay, headed by one Mr. Sami. <laughs> All right. So, understand this, my dear brothers. Such a man in whom the Spirit of God is. God speaks, he lives. Third thing it says, if you look, go back to, go back to, uh, uh, yeah, 43 of uh, Genesis chapter 41, 42 onwards, 42 onwards, 41, 42 onwards. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and he clothed him in garments of fine linen, put his, put a gold chain around his neck and he had him ride on, in the second chariot which he had and they cried out before him, bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. So what, who are these kinds of people? These are the people who could be trusted with what? Authority. Understand? So what, what are the, these are, these are a people in whom the spirit of God is. These are a people who are discerning and wise. These are a people who, who have a name called Zafnat Paneya means what? God speaks and they live. That means they live by the word of God. They have the word of God. And they will rule others by the word of God. And because they rule themselves by the word of God. And fourth, they are the people who can be trusted with what? Authority. You know, that is the end time army that God is looking for. Such a man as this in whom the spirit of God is. But how does one become such a man? I'm talking about a body believers. I'm not just talking about one individual. So of course we are all individuals. Like it says, if you turn with me to First Peter chapter two, so First Peter chapter two, please quickly, First Peter chapter two, and verse um, four onwards. First Peter chapter two, verse four onwards. Coming to him as a watchstone, living stone, rejected indeed by men, but but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, uh, uh, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So what are we? We are also living stones. We are not just stones. We are living stones. And just as God prepared each stone, not at the place of the construction site, at the quarry, God is working individually in each one of our lives, individually, in our circumstances, in our trials, in our shortcomings, in all that we go through as individuals. God is working so that we can all be built up into a spiritual house so that we can op- offer up spiritual sacrifices after having become a holy priesthood, those sacrifices which are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That is the whole purpose of all these uh, trials and situations and circumstances that are, that are going through in our lives, that we are going through in our lives. So, so we have to become that church. 
right? So he's individually working on each one of us. So how does God prepare such a church or rather how does God prepare each cell or each individual in that body so that he can have a church in whom the spirit of God is. Alright? So let us look at some important truths. We have looked at it several times but I just want you to uh, concentrate something very, very uh, Think uh, very, very important as to what God has uh, spoken to my heart this morning. First, he was loved by his father, hated by his brothers. These are a people who are loved by by their father and they are hated by the world. You understand? Only in such a people, the spirit of God can be found. They are loved by the father and they are hated by the world. If you turn with me to... Uh, Genesis chapter 37, look at what, 3 three to 4 and 8, 3 to 4 and verse 8. Now Israel loved Joseph <laughs> more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age and he made him a tunic of many colors. We can, we can, we looked at it in so many times, but I just want you to look at that one verse. Israel loved Joseph. And then, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him, More than all his brothers, they hated him. So he was hated by his brothers. He was loved by his father. He was hated by his brothers and he was loved by his father. A type of Christ. And we are also loved by the father specifically. Do you know that? How, how, how God loves us? 1423. Which 1423? Not Romans 1423? John 1423. Thank you so much. John 1423. Let's go to John 1423. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And what? My father will love him. Wow. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Why did Joseph love, uh, sorry, Israel love Joseph? Simply because he obeyed him. All the other fellows, (laughs) he knew. Father knows. Generally, no parents know. Parents generally know. By and large, when they're growing up, they know who's the obedient one and who's the disobedient one. It's very, very clear. Okay. They generally know. Okay. So parents know, and father also knew. So they hated him, but he was loved by the father. What about Jesus? John's Gospel, chapter seven, verse four. To seven, for no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. This is Jesus' brothers. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. You know what Jesus answers? For even his brothers did not believe in him. Then Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you. But it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. See, this is one of the ways we know that we are a people into whom God can actually trust us and trust his spirit. When the world hates us. This, the reaction of the world towards us, not because we are obnoxious to them, just because our very life testifies that their works are what? Evil. If you turn again to 14 of John's Gospel, And verse 15 onwards. 
Look at what he says. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and I will give you another helper. Who is this person? The Holy Spirit. That he may abide with you forever. This is the person of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the truth, of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And go on, go on, go on. Why will the world not be able to receive them? A little while, uh, sorry. Yeah, verse 18 onwards. Verse, uh, John 15 verse 18 onwards. John 15 verse 18 onwards. 15, 18 onwards, okay. If the world hates you, (laughs) you know that it has hated me before it has hated you. If you were of the world, the world will love its own. That is the reason why uh, be wary of when people call you all kinds of good names. They, they did the same thing with the whom? With the false prophets. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world will hate you. And therefore they cannot receive what? The spirit of truth. Now the point here is this, how do you know that you have the spirit of truth and not the spirit of this world? First thing, as I said, the world hates you. Second, second way you will know that the spirit, you have the spirit of truth and it's not the spirit of this world. When you, if you turn with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12 onwards, you will see this. Now we have received what? Not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So what do we know? We begin to understand the things of God. We have become more mindful of the things of God. And then, next next verse. These things we also speak, not in the word, no, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but with the, with the, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, Comparing spiritual things with spiritual and then verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. We have not received the spirit of this world but the spirit of that is from God because we understand and know the things freely given to us by God. What it is hidden from this world he reveals it to us. And the natural man cannot understand those things, but the spiritual man understands everything. A natural man doesn't even understand the spiritual man, by the way. That's what the next verse will say. Look at what it says. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is not rightly judged by anyone. You make decisions, people will not be able to understand. That's exactly what happened to the brothers, the world. They could not understand Joseph. They could not understand his visions. All they were upset about was the fact that he had dreams and he had visions. He was a visionary, so they hated him. They hated him for the way the father treated him and they hated him for the visions. Actually it says they hated him even more for the visions that he had. So the father loved him and the world hated him. That's the first thing. Does the father love you? How do you know? Because we obey his teaching. And his teaching is not and his commandments are not burdensome. No, 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 no. It's a delight for us. We delight to do his will. We'll come to that later on. So, first, the father loved him, the world hated him. Second, Joseph was obedient. Not just to instruction, but also to 
Thank you. Dr. Dr. Luke is here. He is recording everything in his mind. Hmm? So Joseph was obedient just not to the instruction, but to the intention. Just not to the letter, but to the spirit. We understand that. We understand that so many times. So what does he have? He has the law of God written in his heart. Right? Think about it, no? When were the Ten Commandments given? In Exodus chapter 20, verse 20. What What is one of the Ten Commandments after honor your father and mother? Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. Did, Jesus, uh, did Joseph know that commandment? He did not know the God, he did not know the law of God in that sense, but he knew the God of the law. You understand that? He did not know God who, I mean, he did not know the law in that sense, okay, the Ten Commandments, but he knew the God of the law. That's the reason why it says the law is not made for the righteous, but for the unrighteous. He knew God. And therefore he knew the heart of God. He knew the intention of God. So he was not just obedient to the instruction, he was also obedient to the intention. And therefore he goes the extra mile, not only to Shechem, but he goes all the way to Dothan. 40, Psalm. Verse 6, we know it very well, 6 to 8. Hmm. What does it say? Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. And what does it say? Then I said, behold, I come in the scroll of the book that is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. And your law is within my heart. A man who is of the old covenant, new covenant. The man who's got the spirit of the Lord inside of him, he understands, is a type of course. He knows just not the law of God, he knows the God of the law who gave the law. That's a difference. Okay. That's exactly what it says. Abraham will command his children to obey the commandments. Of How does Abraham know? Because Abraham just did not know the Ten Commandments. He knew the God who gave the Ten Commandments. So he knew it all by revelation. Okay. He was taught by the Holy Spirit, in other words. Third thing, first thing, he was loved by father, hated by the world. So I understand what that means. Second, he was not obedient just to the instruction, but also to the intention. So he had the, he knew just not the law of God. He knew the God of the law. So he understands what God means. That means his law is inside of his heart. He understands God. He has a relationship with God. Third, he, a man, was willing to go down to the pit. Three times. He was God, he was brought down to the pit. He was brought down to Egypt into Potiphar's house. He was brought down from Egypt from the Potiphar's house into the dungeon. Three times. You understand? He was brought down to the pit. Where did he go? He went to a place called, you know what the word Dothan means? Two wells. One well was full, the other well was dry. And which did he choose? Or other? He allowed God to choose for him. The one which was dry. In other words, 
To be filled with the spirit of God, you need to have the spirit of Christ. What did I say? Ah. <laughs> to be filled with the spirit of God, in order for the spirit of God to dwell inside of you, you need to have the spirit of Christ. Let me tell you, this is a categorical statement I'm making. Not because of my uh, of my knowledge, because the Bible makes those categorical st- statements. What is the spirit of Christ? First of all, we, un- we need to understand. Okay, so in order to be filled with the Spirit of God, you need to have the word of word of God. You need to have the Spirit of Christ. Turn with me to Romans chapter eight, verse nine onwards. Just nine is enough. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the who dwells in you, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Okay. Now, if anyone does not have the what the Spirit of Christ, he is not of His. Oh my goodness, isn't it interesting? If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Or in other words, if you want to be a person who is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, which is the spirit of God, you need to have the spirit of Christ. And what is the spirit of Christ is a question. Turn with me to First Peter chapter 1. And verses 10 to 11, and after that, Roman, uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. Yeah. Luke's Gospel, chapter, after that, you turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. Okay, I'll tell you the verse. It says, of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time, the what in him, the spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he, what is he, who is he over, over here? The spirit of Christ testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. In order for us to be filled with the spirit of God, we need to have the spirit of Christ, meaning we should be willing to suffer. Suffer and end Whenever we refuse temptation, we have to suffer. You know that? Whenever we refuse food, we suffer. Hebrews chapter 2. I'll come back to again uh, Luke's gospel chapter 24. But Hebrews chapter 2. And therefore verse 17 and 18. If you can please put it in KJV. Yeah. 17. In all things it behooved him. To be made like his own, uh, like unto his brother, and that he might become a merciful and a faithful high priest and things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being, uh, what? Tempted, he is able to succor them that are also being tempted. How did he suffer? By refusing temptation. But was he tempted? Of course. In how many points? Are all points? We don't know what those points are. In all points he was tempted, just like his brothers. And in other words, he went through the temptation that any man can, in all ages, can experience. He will experience. He made, he was made to go through all those things. And he suffered being tempted and he himself was able to succor them that are them. So what, what happened? He was willing he was he had the spirit of christ he was willing to suffer he was willing to be brought down brought down from into the pit brought down to egypt and brought down to the den ultimately to the dungeon three brought downs 
So what it, what does it say in Luke's gospel chapter 24? Luke's gospel chapter 24, if you will, and, uh, and read from verses 25 onwards. Look at what it says. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have what? Suffered these things and enter into his glory. And then? And at, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures concerning the things concerning himself. What is the, what is the spirit of Christ? Suffering first and then glory. Suffered, suffering by what? By being tempted in all points. How do, how was he tempted here in this case? He went down, he was willing to go down to the pit. Was willing. He never, uh, <laughs> what is it, what do you say? He never, um, fought the work of God in his life. You turn with me to Psalm 105. And verse 16 to 18. <clears throat> Moreover, he called a famine in the land. He destroyed the provision of bread. That's, going, that's what is going to happen. Okay. The famine is going to be uh, called in a land and uh, the staff of bread is going to be broken. He sent a man before them. Who is this person? Yosef. Who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. You know the Darby translation says. They afflicted his feet with feathers. His soul came into iron. Dule Rhymes translation says. They humbled his feet with fetters. The iron pierced into his soul. You know what it means? Um, you know what alchemy is? Alchemy? Alchemy is a science where you take one ordinary object and add something to it and transform it to something extraordinary. Okay. That's what alchemy is. God is a spiritual alchemist. Okay. If you are willing to be locked in with God, what did I say? If you are be, if you are willing to be logged in, like the way we have going through a lockdown, if you are willing to be logged in with God, He has got the capacity and the ability to become the spiritual alchemist in your life. What, that, what does it mean? He is able to transform you so that iron enters into your soul. And what will happen? You will have the capacity to withstand anything the world throws at you. The capacity to withstand everything that the world throws at you. So first, we looked at, he was a man who was loved by his father and he was hated by the world, okay, by his brothers. A man who was obedient not only to the instruction but also to the intention. Third, a man who was willing to go down to the pit. Willing. And he never complained. Of course, he he was saying, Lord, what are you doing, etc. But he never complained. That means he had the spirit of what? Christ in him. Fourth, a man who said no. To what? To sin. 
He says, he refused. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 39. We know this very well, but I'm going to look at some very important words. A man who had the spirit of Christ in him, the willingness to suffer, the willingness uh, to ensure that he can be locked in with God until God can transform his soul so that iron can enter into his soul. Fourth, a man who refused. Refused to do what? We look at that. Genesis chapter 39, verses 7 and 8. And uh, if you can put it in the Amplified Bible, please. Actually, 7 to 10. Hmm? 7 to 10 in the Amplified Bible. Now, are we there? Yeah, is this the Amplified? And now, then after a time, yeah. Then after a time, uh, the master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me. And he, But he refused and said to his master's wife, see here with me, see here with me is in the house my master has concern about nothing. He has put all that he has in my care. He is not, he, he is not greater in, he is not greater in this house than I am. Nor has he kept anything from me except you, for he, for you are his wife. How then can I do this great evil and sin against God? She spoke to Joseph day by day or day after day, but he did not listen to her to lie with her or to be with her. So he refused to what? Listen. Understand that. You see, this is very, very important. So who has his ear? God has his ear. You see, that is very important. Now, if you turn to, um, you don't have to turn there. It says in the book of Isaiah, who is like my servant who is deaf? Remember? Who is like my servant who is dumb? My servant who is deaf and my servant who is dumb. What is he deaf to? He is deaf to the voices and the temptations of this world which will constantly keep nagging at him and say, please lie with me. Remember? What the priests were supposed to have? They were supposed to have blood where? On their ear and on their right thumb and on the right toe. That means, what does it mean? That their ears are completely consecrated and they'll only hear the voice of God and nothing else. So what did he refuse? He refused to hear her. He refused to hear to the voices of this world which constantly nag him to lie with him. He did not listen to her. And then it says, he, she spoke to Joseph. She spoke. And the world will keep on speaking. The world has a voice day after day. <coughs> but he did not listen to her to lie with her or to be with her. In other words, he ensured that he lived in an environment where he would not be tempted. That's what we call as fleeing what? Temptation. And his constant prayer was, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's his prayer. And that should be our prayer too in these last days. So what do I understand from this? He refused. He refused. That means he had the, the iron in his soul to be able to withstand temptation. 
he had a teachable spirit because his ear only belonged to God and not to the world. Question is, you know, when we look at uh, Joseph and uh, some people might say, you know what, I may not be get, I may not get tempted like the way Joseph got, got tempted. But who has your ear? Whose voices are you listening to? Who He who has your ear has your body. Why? Because he who has your ear has your tongue and he who has your tongue has your body. My ears are circumcised, Jeremiah chapter 6 will say. My ears belong only to God and to God alone. He refused to hear or listen to her voice. And there will be so many voices in these last days clamoring for our attention. Whose voice will you listen to? Will you say no? That is the reason why, turn with me now to Titus chapter 2 and verses 11 to 13 in the NIV. Titus chapter 7 verses 11 to 13 in the NIV. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no. That's what we call as Joseph refused. So what God is preparing? He's preparing a bunch of people who will refuse to do what? To hear. Or to be. Anywhere in this, uh, near the, near, near the um, people who will call, cause them to sin. Turn with me to 1st Timothy, please. Sorry, 2nd Timothy, chapter 1. Sorry, chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4, not first Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse uh, 3 onwards. Chapter 4, verse 3 onwards. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have what? Itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to stories. People love to hear stories, no? They will call it testimony. Tell me a testimony. And in the testimony they will not remember anything about the work of God. They will only remember the bad part. I have heard so many people like that. You tell them their testimony, they'll forget about God's work in your life, they will only remember <laughs> the other side. So be very careful <laughs> with whom you share your testimony. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, they will, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And the next verse, and what does, he, what does he say? But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. You be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And you know how it starts? Chapter 4 verse 1. And verses 1 and 2. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort 
with all long suffering and teaching. So whenever you come to the word of God, what are you supposed to get? Convinced. You should be rebuked. Third, you should be exhorted. Are you expected? Do we expect to be convinced? Do we expect to be rebuked? Do we ex, do we expect to be exhorted when you come to the ministry of the Word of God? No wonder we don't get anything from the Word of God. We look for stories. He refused to listen. He refused to listen. I like that. So what is a person? Who is this person? Who are these bunch of people in whom the Spirit of God will dwell? They are a people who will refuse to listen to the seductions of the of this world. And they will refuse to even be beside her. And then turn with again, go back to Genesis chapter 39. Look at what it says. And verse 7 onwards. And after, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, lie with me, go on. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me and in this house and he has committed all that he has into my hand. Look at the sense of responsibility in this guy's guy who was in the old covenant who did not even know the law. That's what I'm saying. He did not know, he did not possibly know the law of God, but he knew the God of the law, which is important. To knowing the God of the law is important. So, and you look at what, look at his words. He said, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You know what? One of the realizations that he had is, he was, if, if he does something that he is tempting him with, he will not be sinning against Potiphar. He'll be sinning against God. Psalm 51 verse 3 and 4. What David realized the hard way, Joseph realized even before. <laughs> that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the spirit of Christ. Okay. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Why? Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. Now, this is talking about the old covenant believer. Now, when the new covenant believer willfully sins, whom is he sinning against? Is a question. So that we also will be very careful that we don't take sin casually. I'm not talking about people who are struggling, who have this, who have this uh, desire in them, Lord, free me from this body of sin or body of death, whatever it is, and saying, Lord, Lord, help me to overcome. I'm not talking about those people, but those people who are absolutely casual about sin. Look at what it says about those people. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6 verses 4 to 5 and 10 verses 26 to 29. For it is impossible. <laughs> you know, these are the words which will scare us, no? For it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become the partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they was fall away, to renew them again to repentance since they crucify, look at this, this is the point, they crucify for us in the new covenant it is even more severe, he says how can I sin against God, you know what we do, here in the new covenant we sin against the finished work of Jesus on the cross that's the danger we crucify again for themselves, the son of God and put him to an open shame crucify again, isn't it interesting 
Who crucified Jesus twice? Anybody knows? Moses. Exactly. The first time Jesus, God said, strike the rock. He struck the rock. And then second time Jesus, God said, speak to the rock. He went and struck the rock and God said, no way. Don't try that. Don't try that. And he was taken. I mean, he lost something significant in his life. So we have to be very careful. Very, 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 very careful. Especially with sin. Don't play with fire. That's what it, that's what it says in Proverbs chapter 6, 6. It says, can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burnt? Answer? If a man takes fire in his bosom, his clothes will be burnt. What does this clothes signify? Your garments. Your righteousness. It will be burnt. So don't play with sin is a question, is a, is a point over here. Another place. Turn with, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26 to 29. For if we, what? Sin willfully. After we have received the knowledge of truth, there is no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Can you see that? Everybody, look at this, look at this, look at this. Everybody. Attention, attention. Alarm, alarm, alarm. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fear indignation which devour the adversaries. When I was growing up, these are the verses which constantly used to come to me whenever I, say, I used to fall. Let's say I fell. I would go and listen to a man of God. No, suddenly these verses will come. Those are the verses which kept me on the straight and narrow path, I'm telling you. It's the fear of God which keeps you from what? Sinning. Exodus chapter 19, please. We looked at that, but let us look at it again. And verse 10. And verse, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, uh, not, not, not 19. Verse uh, uh, chapter 20 and verse 20. Chapter 20 and verse 20. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you or rather prove you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So who are those people in whom the Spirit of God will dwell? Those are the people who will fear God, and who will run away from sin. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge in him, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Then what? Fear the Lord, Depart from evil, it will be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. What is that? Health to your navel and marrow to your bones. Go there. No, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3 if I am right. No? Of chapter chapter 4. 3, 7. 3, 7 onwards. Uh, if you can uh, put it in KJV. KJV, okay. KJV only. Do not be wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. What is navel, Baba? Navel is this part. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And from your navel, or rather from your belly, you want rivers of living water to flow. Fear the Lord. And depart from your, depart from evil. And it, and it will be health to your navel, narrow. <laughs> marrow to your bones, blood, rather. Those are the things which will generate life. And then, Verse 8, verse 9. 
honor the lord okay so uh, so yeah fear the lord and depart from evil so, b- before before verses actually verses 6 and 7 uh, 6 uh, 5 and 6 trust in the lord with all of your heart and do not lean to your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths okay fear the lord depart from evil so understand so he is a man who refused and a man who feared god therefore he could be trusted with the spirit of god understand that all right there's only other person uh, who who uh, about whom it says um, the spirit of god dwells in dwells dwells in you who's the other person in the old covenant about whom it says daniel the two people no joseph and daniel these are the types daniel to whom the revelation about the last days is given and joseph is a man is a as a type of man or a type of a new covenant church which will prepare a sort of people so that they can go through famine which is coming on all the world that's coming and is already here millions of people losing their jobs oh boy never ever take those things for granted next let's turn again to genesis chapter 39 verses 16 to 18 genesis chapter 39 verses 16 to 18 and it happened Okay, sorry, sixteen to eighteen. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, "The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came in to me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted up my voice, cried out, that he left his garment with me and fled outside." You know what that those garments represent? It represents his life of integrity, and he was stripped of that. you know who are these people these are the people who will never try to vindicate themselves never our vindication comes from god no weapon formed against you will prosper we pray that no and every lying tongue that is going to raise against us in judgment we shall condemn but when does it, when will this vindication come on this side of eternity we don't know okay we don't know never try to vindicate yourself the garments represents the garments of integrity that's interesting about jesus it says they cast in their lots for my garments for my vesture or for my garments what does this garment represent what kind of a garment what did he have a seamless garment no stitchings anywhere his life was what completely whole atke chale dekhada it was one that is the reason why it's called knitting it's it talks about the bride okay white linen garments were given to her and what does uh what does those linen garments signify linen garments signifies the righteous acts of the saints she is also knitting garment a garment for her okay and I, what do you call knit by knit huh? it's called not stitch by stitch it's knit by knit weaving a seamless garment which is one complete whole it cannot be divided because a house that is divided cannot stand he is one guy who is at his workplace who's at the same guy at home same guy at church same guy everywhere no compartments at all he's silver through and through 
What did I say? Silver through and through. I got this from a man of God. Silver through and through. What does silver through and through mean? Those days, there was a, during, during, in the, in the United States, if I'm right, they had a silver dollar. Okay, dollar or quarter, I don't know. So those, uh, coins were completely silver. And later on, they said they found it is very expensive to make those silver dollars. So they made a counterfeit or rather another kind of a new coin, which had only silver coating. Okay, it had only a silver coating. So, but they're also were being used in the, in the, in the common market. I mean, in the, in their, in their economy. But how do you know whether this is a silver coated coin or a silver coin? Just drop it. And when you drop the silver coin, which is not silver coated, but silver coin, it used to make a sound. When you drop it and when he hits the ground, when the other fellow was thrown on the on the floor. You know what what would what 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 would happen? They would listen to a thud. Remember those nickel coins which used to which we got when we were kids, right? Remember the silver colored nickel coins. They, when you f- make them fall on the fall on the ground, you'll just make you'll hear a thud. But a silver coin will make a nice sound by listening to the sound. You'll know which is true, which is silver or which is silver coated. Silver through and through. Silver through and through, no. Wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stones. What is it? What is your life made of? Never try to vindicate himself. That is exactly the reason why First Peter chapter 2. Please turn there. We'll look at it so many times. We'll look at it one more, one more time, Baba, until it becomes a part of us. It becomes silver for us so that iron enters into our soul also. What does it say? First Peter. Chapter 2, verse 21 onwards. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, 21, 21, sorry, 21. For to this you are called, because Christ also, what? Suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his footsteps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. And what does he do? Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges Righteously. Actually, if you turn with me, if you look at it in the ESV, it's even more interesting. Look at what it says. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued, I like that, continued entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Can you do that? That is what is called as vindicating, not vindicating yourself. Continued and trusting himself. That is the reason why great is the mystery of godliness. What is the great, great is, what is the mystery of godliness? First Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. First Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. Great indeed we confess is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested. Who was that? Who was manifested in the flesh? Christ was manifested in the flesh. Vindicated by the, when was he vindicated by the spirit Baba? Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Romans chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Actually, 2 to 4. Okay. Which he promised before through his scripture, through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and then declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the, that is when, by the resurrection of the dead. Isn't it interesting that even after he was resurrected from the dead, he never tried to vindicate himself, but he only appeared to his disciples. He never went to the world and said, Hey, see, 
God raised me from the dead. No, he didn't do that. He never tried to vindicate himself. That is God. That is God. That is the spirit of Christ. You only appear to his disciples. Why God? Why these ways God? That's my way. That is my way. That's what is called a spirit of Christ. How dif- how easy it would have been for him? Just imagine. Hey Jews, you crucified me. Here I am alive. Touch me. Nothing happened like that. You know why? Because he was going to prepare a body which had to go through the same process of suffering like he went through. And they will also go through the same process. They will also never try to vindicate themselves. And they will allow God to vindicate them. And such a people will be a people. Such a man in whom is what? The Spirit of God. And you know, the second, the last, so for, let us look at the five things that we learned first, or six things that we learned today. First thing, loved by his father, hated by the world. Second, a man who just did not obey instruction, but intention. Third, a man who refused. Fourth, a man who feared God. Okay? Who feared God. Fifth, a man who refused to hear. Sixth, a man who never tried to vindicate himself. Seventh, a man who was compassionate through his sufferings. What is that? A compassionate through his suffering. Not after he finished his suffering. No, 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 no. He was compassionate through his suffering. You see, that is the mark of a spiritual person. When everything is going well, going well, you, if you are being, if you are compassionate, What's the difference between you and the others? Genesis 40 verses 6 and 7. And then again 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Okay. And verses 1 onwards. Okay. Genesis chapter 40 verses 41 brother. 41. 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, verses 6 and 7. And Joseph came, and Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. Okay. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him, in the custody of his Lord's house saying, why do you look so sad today? And then, and they said to him, we each have had a dream and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell them to me, please. You know what, he, what is he doing? He is using his gift through his sufferings. He never said, okay, now what's the whole point of all my gift? What did it bring me? Whenever, whenever I said dream, They put me in a pit. But he used his dreams or used his gift through sufferings. Now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Look at this. In verses 1 onwards. Moreover, brothers, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. That in a great trial of what? Affliction. The abundance of of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Did they stop giving in the midst of their struggles? No. Did they what what gift they had? They had the gift of giving. They had the gift of not everybody has that gift, but of course we have to also have everybody should have that. 
Okay, whatever gift you, you have, in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your suffering, will you be able to be a giver? Because it is more blessed to give than to receive. Not everyone, everything is going well. That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. And then, verse 3, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, <laughs> no, 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 beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift of and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. So what should you do? Fan back your gift. Fan back your gift that you have received by the laying on of your hands. Turn to First Timothy, please. So, sorry, Second Timothy, chapter 1. Second mm-hmm. oh, Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. Therefore I remind you, ESV please. For this reason I remind you, remind you to fan into flame the what of God? The gift of God which is in you through the laying out of man. Don't, don't just stop using the gift. In fact, the more you use it, the more fantastically clear it will become in your life. Unlike, like Pastor keeps saying, right? Unlike in the king, in the world, when you give, it reduces. But in you, in your kingdom, when you give, it increases. He became a giver in the midst of suffering. He was compassionate to others in the midst of suffering. And of course, you see, you see, he asked him, please remember, remember me, okay? When you come back to, go back to prison or go back to your position, please remember me. But what did what happened to him? He forgot immediately. That is what we call his continued entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously. So let me tell you something, my dear brothers. The days of evil are coming. Are already here. Do not be unwise, but be circumspect. Turn turn with me to Ephesians, please. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse um, 15 onwards. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And then, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Understand this. The times are they are already here. Okay. And God is looking for a man in whom the Spirit of God is. A man in whom the Spirit of God is. And we are, we can be by the will, by the grace of God. We as a church can be that man. We are not talking about individual. We are talking about individuals who will become one man in whom God can entrust His Spirit before the days of evil come which are already here before and God has given us a time to be locked in so that he can be the spiritual alchemist so that what can enter into our soul? Iron can enter, enter, enter into our soul. So let us read from Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Let's read from verses 1 onwards till uh, maybe verse 8 in the Amplified Bible. And I want you to uh, look at this fantastic verses. Remember earnestly. Okay. Also your creator in the days of your youth. 
before the evil days come. Okay, before the days of evil come. Or the years draw near when you will say of physical pleasures, I have no enjoyment in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened. In other words, your sight is going to be impaired. What sight? Your spiritual sight. And the clouds of depression return after the rain of tears. You see how Amplified Bible puts it beautifully. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened. That is your sight sight is implored. The clouds of depression return after the rain of tears. And then in the day when the keepers of the house, what are the keepers of the house? The hands and your arms. They are the keepers. Tremble. That means you don't have strength anymore. And the strong men, the feet and the knees, bow themselves. <laughs> and look at the next one. And the grinders. What are the grinders? Your molar teeth. How many of you have lost some of your molar teeth? Is a question over here. Because of uh, decay and sweets. And I've done some root canal treatments. And if it has come, bow themselves and the grinders which are the molar teeth cease because they are few. And those and those who look out of the windows, that means the eyes are darkened. Your eyes are darkened. Just look at the look at look at the interpretation and the amplified. When the doors, that is your lips, are shut in the streets and the sound of the grinding of the teeth is low. And one rises up at the voice of the bird and the crow, crowing of a cock and all the daughters of music, the voice and the ear are brought low. All your spiritual senses are becoming dim. Before those days come, remember your creator. Many of them, they don't have the the teeth to chew solid food. They still want what? Milk. You give them meat, they will die. Their eyes can't see. They're clouded with a mist. Let's see. Next verse. Also, (laughs) when the old are afraid of danger from which, from that which is high, and the fears are in the way, and the almond tree, that their white hair, (laughs) blooms, and the grasshopper, a little thing, is a burden, and the desire and appetite fail, because man goes to his everlasting home, and the mourners go about the streets or marketplaces. That is coming. That is coming. And then, remember your creator. Earnestly now. Before the silver cord of life is snapped apart. Or the golden ball is taken, is broken. Or the pitcher is broken at the fountain. Or the wheel is broken at the system. And the whole circulatory system of blood ceases to function. Then shall the dust out of which God made man's body return to the earth as it was and the spirit shall return to God who gave it. Vapor of vapors and futility of futility says the preacher. All is futility, emptiness, falsity, vainglory, transitoriness. Transitoriness. So remember. The evil days are here. Let not your sight go dim. Let not your hands and your knees go feeble. You know what it says? Strengthen those knees which are gone feeble, it says in Hebrews. Right? Go to Hebrews chapter 6. We'll look at that. 
Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse... Sorry, is it Hebrews chapter 6? Where it says, strengthen the knees which have gone feeble? Or is it Galatians chapter 6? Sorry, one minute please. Galatians chapter 6. It says, strengthen the knees which has gone feeble. I'm sorry. What's that? 12, 12, 12, sorry. Hebrews chapter 12. 12 verse 12. Apologize. Okay. Therefore, strengthen the hands which have hanged down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. And then, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. For the Lord is a consuming fire. That's how it ends, right? Verse 15? 12, 15? No, looking carefully lest anyone... Okay, yeah, sorry. Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. You can stop there. You can stop there. Strengthen your feebles, feeble knees. And make straight your paths. Pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no man can see God. So this morning, even as we end this week, so many things have happened and things are only going from bad to worse. The evil days are upon us. And God is looking at one man upon whom the Spirit of God can dwell. In whom the Spirit of God can dwell. Can we be that one man? Here's a question. I'm telling you, it doesn't mean that um, God is going to use an entire church. It's great if God uses an entire church. But at least can God find a few in GDC here. A bunch of guys who will lay aside all differences and will come together and say, you know what, we can agree upon the word. And we'll become one man. We'll stop with one, one last verse, okay? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which in which you are called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of peace, or unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Why? There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and the Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And therefore, if as each one of us has, uh, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. All of us have been given a gift. Use it. Use it to edify one another. Let us become, let us ask God to make us into that one body in these last days. A body 
or one man in whom the Spirit of God can dwell. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you once again for this day. Notwithstanding the fact that we had so many technical problems, Lord, you enable us to have this service. I pray, Father, that Lord, that you, whatever word that you have given to us this morning, I pray that we will apply it into our own lives and we will grow in love, and grow in righteousness, and grow in holiness. We will walk in unity, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Grant us grace to that and we pray. We thank you, we praise you for in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.